So over the past month, I don't know if you've caught on to it as much, but I haven't been up here speaking quite as much as I typically do, and that's been intentional. Um, several, month, or several weeks ago, one of my friends from up north in Indiana came down, Tammy Bird, someone who has actually been here before and kind of became friends with some of you. Uh, she came down and she shared from her heart the importance of this next generation and investing in this next generation, and, and we got to learn from somebody who's kind of outside of ourselves. And then I had intended to, in between her coming and my brother coming last week, having another friend from Arizona come, and he was going to share um, just some thoughts that he had on what it means to live in community. He's one of those guys that I've seen very few men in my life who really invest in the lives of all the people around them. And, you know, I can think of a handful that would maybe fall into his category. But because of travel plans and living in Arizona, things fell through and that one didn't work out. But then last week, we were able to have my brother come in here and he was able to share with us about the importance of discovering who this is that God's created us as and how we display part of the image of God and how that works with the people around us who are displaying another part of the image of God. And, and by bringing in these other people, what I was partially what I was trying to communicate with all of you is that we need more than just ourselves. You need more than just me. And you need more than just yourself. Each of these people who came in, Tammy and Jared and Chris, if he had been able to come in, are people who have invested into my life in different ways throughout the course of my life. Obviously, I've known Jared my entire life because he's my older brother. And so he's been an influence over everything that I've done, whether it was I wanted to be like him or I wanted to be the complete opposite of him. He still influenced the decisions that I made and, and the life that I lived. And then Tammy, as I've gotten to know her over the course of the past four or five I don't remember how many years, somewhere in that range, uh, four or five years, you know, she's been uh, a, a larger and larger voice in my life, especially as we were both walking in youth ministry and both walking on the team that puts IYC together and things like this to really be able to bounce ideas off of each other, but also just to be able to bounce life off each other. And there's so many other people that I could stand up here and I could talk about. My family members have played a huge role in my life. The the shape group that I was a part of when I lived in Oklahoma, which was a group of youth pastors, or at least it started out as youth pastors, and then they slowly all started going over to the dark side of lead ministry, which I eventually joined years later. Um, at least that's what we called it back then was the dark side. Now I'm not so sure. Um, but, but it started out as this group of youth pastors that came together, and we held each other accountable, and we encouraged one another, and we went out, and we had the worst golf games that you could ever possibly imagine seeing to where every year on my Facebook feed, this video pops up of my friend trying to hit a golf ball out of the water, and like 10 swings later, it finally gets somewhere. And every year I laugh because of that, that memory that we have together of doing life together. And in, in Casper, we had a small group that, you know, we were not just a small group that met together, but we were a group of friends that met together. And that could hold one another accountable, and really... The more we looked at it, we realized like all of us, it seemed like, not literally all of us, but we volunteered or served in some capacity in either children's or youth ministry. And so we did that part of life together too. We served alongside one another and we brushed shoulders with one another. And I could go, I could spend, I could waste a lot of your time this morning talking about the different people that have influenced my life and the different people that 
that have invested into my life and that I've invested into their life. But I'm not going to spend all the time just talking about the people that have been in my life because I want you, before we're done here this morning, to have time to think about who are the people in your life that have invested in you or the people in your life that you have invested in or the people in your life that you need to have invest in you or that you need to spend time investing in and being in relationship in. If we've learned one thing over the course of the past year and a half, I think for many of us, one of those things is that we need other people in our lives. Whether it's the the schools closing down and all the kids having to stay home, which then drives the parents absolutely bonkers. Even those parents who are sitting there and thinking, I love it when life is just my family. When we don't have to get outside of our bubble and we can just have us. Those parents began to realize, I can't handle any more of just my family. I need other people to be investing in my family. I need other people to speak into my family. And I need to speak into the lives of other people. This is driving me insane. I can't handle any more of this. We've seen the studies left and right of of the increased rates of anxiety and depression as people have had to stay home or they've had to stay away from other people. And some of that is over the anxiety of, of a pandemic. And other parts of that, studies are showing, is because people just aren't around people. And we're designed to be around people. In Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 19, if you have your Bible with you, and you want to follow along, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says these words, and starting in verse 19, he says, So now, you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house. Not I am his house, not you are his house, but together... We are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. I've heard a lot of conversation over the years about how your body is the temple and you need to take care of your body, but but he's going a step further in this, and he's saying, you alone are not the house of God. Together, we are his house. Feeds into what Jared talked about last week, that alone you reflect part of the image of God. You do not reflect the entire image of God. But together we reflect the image of God. We need one another. We've, we can read it all the way through scripture where we talk, you know, we read things about how one part of the body cannot say to another part of the body. You've heard this one over and over if you've spent time in church. One part of the body cannot say to the other part, I don't need you. Hey, I'm an I, and I've got, is, it, is 1520 better than 2020? I never know which way the numbers are supposed to go. It's kind of like when they give me my blood pressure numbers. I just ask them, like, so is, is that good or is that bad? You don't seem worried, so I think it must be good. But we'll say 1520 is the better. Like, I, I'm an eye, and I can see really well, so I don't need that foot to get me anywhere. I don't need these legs to get me anywhere because I can see really far away. But can you see far enough that you don't ever have to walk over? 
Can you see far enough that you can feed yourself? Of course not. The eye needs the hand that needs the foot, that needs the mouth, that needs all the parts of the body. And together, we are God's house. We are designed to connect with other people and to be in a relationship with other people. But the problem is that even though we are created for connection, we tend to drift toward isolation. We tend to drift towards this idea of, I don't need other people. I can handle things on my own. I was raised to be a very independent man. And I can do a lot of things on my own. And a lot of times I think, wow, I really am a pretty independent person. But then I stop and I think about all of the people that have come along in my life. And I realize that while from one standpoint I'm pretty independent, on the other hand, man, if I hadn't had those people in my life at that time, who knows where I would be right now. And no matter how independent and how strong you are down here in southern Indiana, which I'm, again, loving living here and seeing the personalities here, no matter how strong you think you are and no matter how independent you think you are, you have got to have other people in your life. Running towards isolation or drifting towards isolation will leave you in a spot that you will get to the point where you get to the feeling of hopelessness and loneliness that you can't get yourself out of by yourself because we were created to be in connection with other people. The problem is, when we begin to drift toward isolation, it's really hard to stop drifting in that direction. When we get to the point that we're sitting there and we're like, I can do this by myself. I don't need other people in my life. I don't want other people in my life. Once we begin to drift that way, it's really hard to stop drifting that direction. There are people sitting in this room right now that are going, how in the world could anybody struggle with this? Like, I absolutely love being around other people. Like, I'm sitting out here, and I see Doug Reynolds sitting out here. I'm like, Doug is one of these people that, like, I can't imagine him not having 20 people around him at all times. Now, maybe you have those moments. But you talk about a guy who just, who just has people gravitate toward him because of your personality and because of your love for other people. You may be sitting here going, I don't understand how people struggle with this. But I can also look out here and I can see people, because I'm getting to know you a little better, who you're sitting here and going, please, don't tell me that I need to talk to others because I'm afraid to or I just don't want to. Like, it's terrifying to me or other people are just annoying. Why would I want to? I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard in ministry or I've heard teachers say the same thing, like, Ministry would be great. Teaching would be great if it wasn't for the people involved in it. Like, this would be the easiest job in the world if I didn't have to deal with all of you. I've heard teachers say it over and over again. Teaching is awesome if it wasn't for the kids or the parents or the other teachers or the administration or the government. Like, it'd be an awesome job. I would love it if you'd take the people out of it. And it's real easy to start going towards that. And church, I'm here to tell you this morning that we have to fight against that. We can look over the past year, year and a half, and we can see what kind of damage it's done to people. And I think for many of us, if we would look inside, we would see what kind of damage it did for us. I mean, I think there was an element of, 
congregations fighting against the shutdowns and you can't make us not worship together, there was an element of that was just, it was just plain old stubbornness. It was, you're not gonna tell me what to do. My right says that I can do this and so I'm gonna do it and stop trying to meddle in my business. But I think there was another piece of it that it was the longing inside of people that we're remembering that piece in Hebrews where it says, do not neglect meeting together. And I don't think he, he told us that so that we would have one more rule to follow. He told us not to neglect meeting together because he knew that we needed other people. So I wanna talk this morning a little bit about how do we fight against this drift? Um, Dan this morning, when I was talking to him and he saw that he was looking at the notes and everything that he's going to try his best to follow along with on the slides, I've told every slides person, like, good luck. But he's going to try. And so he was reading through them and he was seeing this and he, he, kinda, he brought up an analogy that he had heard recently of, you know, dead things go with the drift real easy. And I'm, I'm butchering the phrase, so I'm sorry, Dan. I should just have you come up and say this. But it takes something alive to fight the drift, to fight the flow, to go against the current. A dead fish goes wherever the river wants to take it. A piece of drift wood goes wherever the current wants to take it. And that's where we can find ourselves so easy is we just begin to give up and we begin to die and we just begin to go with it. And we find ourselves getting deeper and deeper into it and that piece of drift wood just rots more and more over the course of time But if we're alive, then we fight against the flow. We fight against that drift. So the first thing that I want to throw out to you all this morning is that how we fight this drift is we have to start somewhere. So we start with our relationship with God. When God created man and woman way back in the very beginning, he created them to be together. You know, if you read that story and actually Jared read through some of it last week. If you read that story, he's saying this is good and this is good and this is good and then he creates man and all of a sudden he's like, wait a second, this isn't good. This man is lonely. This man needs community like we have community. And so he brings along the woman, but there's a, a piece of this story that sometimes we just kind of skirt over and it's found in Genesis uh, chapter three and we're gonna start in verse seven. This is the point in the story where the man and the woman, they've already eaten of the tree, and so they've all of a sudden looked at each other and went, like, whoa, you're naked. And instead of, like, most men would be like, whoa, you're naked. Like, they both had this sense of shame, and they wanted to cover up, and, and so they covered up with these really itchy leaves and all this kind of stuff, because, you know, that's what we do when we do something wrong, is we cover it up with something worse half the time, instead of just admitting what happened. But that's a whole other sermon for a whole other day. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7, it says, at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed the fig leaves together to cover themselves. And in verse 8, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord called to the man, where are you? Where are you? See, God was coming along to have his, his evening stroll through the garden with the man and the woman, to spend community with the man and the woman, to spend relationship, to have connection 
with the man and the woman, and instead they were fighting, or they were hiding. And God comes along and he says, where are you? Now again, there's a whole other message in there. As far as like God knew where they were, and you know, he wasn't really wondering, where are you hiding? Like he, could, he could see through the tree or whatever. He could see around. I don't care how you want to look at it. He knew where they were. But he so craved connection, and he knew how badly we needed connection, that he was searching for them in the garden and giving them the opportunity to come out of hiding and say, here I am. And so many of us have gotten to the point, I've been at this point at different points in my life, where we get to the point where our drift towards isolation has gotten us to the point that we've walked away from the connection that we desire to have with God. We've put ourselves in isolation away from him, and he's sitting there going, hey, I'm not walking away. I'm looking for you. All you have to do is step out from behind the tree and I'm right here, and I'm ready to have connection with you. I'm ready to be in a relationship with you. The first thing that we need to do if we're gonna fight this drift is to work on our relationship with him. And you know, we've heard over the years that you need to pray more, you need to read your Bible more, you need to start a devotional, you need to do this, and I'm telling you, you just need to step out from behind the tree. And you just need to tell him, I'm here. I'm sorry I've been hiding from you. I'm sorry I've been walking away from you. I know you've been looking for me. I just didn't want you to find me. It may be because of guilt in your life, just like Adam and Eve are experiencing here, where, where all of a sudden they felt guilt over their nakedness and they felt guilt over the fact that they had done the thing that he had told them not to do, the one thing that he had told them not to do, and they did it anyway, just like our kids do over and over again. But they, they had this guilt, and he's just saying, just step out from behind the tree. I already know what you did. I'm still looking for you. I still want to take a stroll through the garden with you. We start with our relationship with him. And it doesn't end there, though. As much as we would like to say that, that you know, we can experience God, and, and we can, we can experience God anywhere, but I believe that we begin to more fully experience God when we are acknowledging that we need a relationship with other people. When we realize that we need others in our life, that that's how he created us. In Ecclesiastes, you've probably heard this one before if you've been to enough weddings. You've probably heard it at some point at one of the weddings. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9, it says, Two people are better off than one. I mean, just talk about calling it right out of the gate. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone, well, you're out of luck. Likewise, Two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? And men, I know many of you are sitting there is like, my wife, like, yeah, we lie together at night, but she's like a thousand degrees underneath those covers, so, you know, we don't need to lie that close to each other, right? You can, you can just take that one where you want to take it. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer but let's go even further because three are even better. 
for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. The more people that you have in your life that are speaking truth into your life, the better off you'll be. Now, as you read through Proverbs, which I encourage you to do, as you read through Proverbs and you read through all these little truth statements, I, I understand they take some interpreting sometimes because you're reading this and like I, I have no clue what that means. So it does take a little bit of effort. But you see over and over again the folly of letting a fool speak into your life. And a fool give you all the advice and that's the only one that you listen to. So while I'm saying it's important for us to be around others and to be listening to others and having them speak into our lives, I also believe it's important for us to not just surround ourselves with the people who are struggling with the exact same things that we're struggling with. Sitting in the bar and saying, man, we should really stop drinking, to the guy sitting next to you who says, we should really stop drinking, is probably going to lead to the next night saying, we should really stop drinking. And it's going to happen over and over again. But finding that person who's going to speak into your life and say, hey, how can we help you through this? If you're a parent of a young child, it's important to have other people in your life who have young children so that, so that you have some of those who are experiencing it right now. But I believe that it is so important to find those who have already raised children and to ask them, how in the world did you not kill them all? Like, that's the, that's the first lesson I need to know. How did you keep them alive? How did you even have any desire to keep them alive some days? And just walk through somebody who has more experience than you do in whatever it is that you're trying to learn from. I've got pastors who speak into my life who are more than a year into their role as a lead pastor because I need to be able to learn from them, not just from the ones who also just became a lead pastor. Because otherwise, all of us first-year lead pastors are going to walk around and be like, we've got this whole thing figured out. And the next thing we know, we're going to be speaking to a bunch of empty pews. Which, admittedly, would make some things easier sometimes. Because again, remember that whole ministry, the hardest part about it is the people? I mean, you know. I mean, I got some chuckles out of that. Others of you, um, my email address is um, dkuntz at mc... No. Proverbs 27, 17, many of you have probably heard this one too. As iron sharpens iron, so one man or woman sharpens another. We need those other people in order for us to live the life that's planned out for us, in order to live the life that would be the best life that we could possibly have. It's easy to think that we can figure this all out on our own. You know, we're pretty smart people. We can figure a lot of things out. You're going to come across those things that you just can't. For years, I would call my dad to figure something out. Now I just go to YouTube because it's right there. But to have somebody who already knows how to do this walk through with us, sharpens us and just makes it better and helps us fight against that drift. Teens, believe it or not, your parents' words are not worthless. Maybe 90% of them, but that other 10% is gold, I'm telling you. And finally, you need to realize that you have something to offer. There are people who need to speak into your life 
but there are people whose lives you need to speak into also. And with you just drifting toward isolation, and I, I, I wanna take just a second, I'm not saying you can't be an introverted person who gets tired being around people and you need to spend 24 seven just around other people. I realize God has created us differently, but there's a difference between I don't want to be with other people ever and I just need to recharge. And my recharge might take longer than your recharge. So I'm not saying that every moment of your day needs to be around others. But we do need to realize that by not being in the connection that we were created for, we are actually robbing other people of something that God has wanted to put into their life. Jared Dudley um, was, until recently, an NBA basketball player. Now he's going on staff as an assistant coach for the Dallas Mavericks. Jared Dudley is probably one of those names that most of us have not heard of. If you're a big NBA fan, maybe you've heard of him. If you paid attention to college basketball 15 years ago, maybe you've heard of him. But over the course of the last 10 years, you probably haven't heard his name a whole lot. When Jared Dudley decided to retire and sign on as an assistant coach with the Dallas Mavericks this offseason, one of the guys who is considered to be one of the top two greatest NBA players of all time, LeBron James, my opinion notwithstanding as to where he ranks on the all-time list, but LeBron James, one of the guys that people consider to be one of the greatest ever, lamented that this guy who sat at like the 14th spot on the bench was no longer going to be on the team. And it wasn't because Jared Dudley provided a lot for them on the basketball court. Jared Dudley very rarely got on the basketball court anymore. Two years ago when the Lakers made the, the NBA championship and they won it all, Jared Dudley averaged, I believe, about five to seven minutes a game. The games are 40 minutes long. He got five to seven minutes because the Lakers blew a lot of people out. And so they would throw him in for the, the scrub time. But LeBron James was upset when Jared Dudley decided to retire. Not like mad at Jared Dudley or anything like that, but, but he was upset because he saw the contribution that Dudley brought to the team. He saw the wisdom that he brought to the young players on the team. He saw the work ethic that he brought to the team and how that would rub off on the people around him. He saw how he would interact with people on the flights and on the buses and, and in the locker room. He saw this, this teammate who on the basketball court really didn't have much to give. But man, in all the other areas, he was a superstar on that team. One of the lowest paid players on the team making the veterans minimum, which I realize is more than most of us will make in our lives, but making the veterans minimum considered one of the most important players on the team. You may be sitting here and you're thinking, I don't have anything to offer other people. I'm younger than all the people around me. I have less experience than all the people around me. I didn't get good grades. I wasn't a great athlete. I wasn't this. I wasn't that. I don't have anything to offer the people around me. And I'm here to tell you that you have something to offer others that nobody else around them can give them. There are some who think that maybe they have more to offer than they really do. There are many of us 
who we, in our isolation and in our desire to stay away from connection, are robbing the people around us from what God has put in their life. That might be you. Who are you investing in? Who are you feeling like I need to invest in, but I'm just not doing it? If you can think of a name, then I'd encourage you, don't waste your time getting on it. Get on it. Realize that you absolutely have something to offer those around you. Now, as for the tangible ways, I could give you a long, long list of things that you can do. And for some of you, this option would be great. And for some, this option would be great. Instead, I've narrowed it down to two things. One of the things that you can tangibly do after you've worked on your relationship with God and you've acknowledged that you need other people and, and you've realized that you have something to give is just start serving with other people. Whether it's here in the church or whether it's out in the community, start rubbing shoulders with people as you're serving others and making their lives better. I mean, so much of what Jesus talks about talks about us becoming servants to those around us. So when I become a servant and you become a servant, then we're both reflecting what God would want us to do in the first place, and we're doing it together, which is just making the image of God that much more noticeable to everybody around us. And the second thing that I would give you this morning, and we're getting ready to, to ramp these up, is I would encourage you to consider, to consider joining the small groups or community groups or whatever you wanna call them that we're getting ready to start up here. Most of you, when you walked in, you were given a piece of paper and if you weren't, I've got some up here or you can raise your hand and we'll get some to you. But these are opportunities for you to be around other people. These are opportunities for you to invest in others, to have them invest in you, to give them what you can give to them. What these are not are discipleship groups. I've heard that said in a lot of different churches over the course of my life that, you know, discipleship happens in our community groups. And I've looked at it and I said, but does it really? Because discipleship is more than just an hour a week where we spend our time together. If you look at discipleship, discipleship is spending all your time or seemingly all your time together with that person. Those disciples that followed Jesus were with him all the time. So maybe it's not discipleship. But it is a spot to learn from one another, and it is a spot to, to grow with one another towards a relationship with Christ. They are not a place to go so that we can just have a bunch of other people that we can tell about all the problems that we have with other people, aka they're not gossip groups. They're not places where we can just go talk about others or that we can complain about what, you know, what's happening over here or we can complain about what's happening over here they're a place where we can build one another up. Now, sometimes there's gonna be a moment where you need to share about the hard thing that's going on at work. You need to share about a hard relationship that you have. And that might be the group that you can do that with, but it, it might not be too. These are the type of groups that the way that we're wanting to organize these are the type of group where it's not just gonna be a group of your closest friends. And so we're not gonna stand up here and say, this is the place where life happens together. Like these are the people that you're going to do life together with. 
You may end up with some people who are 30 years older than you or 30 years younger than you or, or who knows what else kind of differences you may have in there. And so we want to be up front with you that we're not just going to put the friend groups together and the clique groups together. Because we believe that there's too much to learn from people who aren't like us to just spend our time with people who are like us. If you want to form a group of people who are like you, by all means, get together with a group of your friends. Get together with a group who is like you. We're not going to say don't do that. But what we're putting together is something a little bit different. These are not a lifelong commitment. This is not a, man, if I sign up for this thing, then I'm going to be doing this thing for the next five years of my life. And what if I don't like this group in the first place? And I would say, you know, remember Jared mentioned last week that what if you did get in a group with people that rub you the wrong way? And you had to actually work through things, which is something that we as Americans, we as humans, we as Jesus followers have lost a lot of skills into how to work through things. At least in the Wild West, they worked through it with a duel. We just act like it didn't happen, and we get on Facebook, and we just bash them. What if we actually sit down with somebody who is a Democrat, and we're a Republican, and we have to actually have a conversation about the fact that what if we both follow Jesus and we vote different? Is that possible? Can we work through this? Or what if one cheers for Purdue and the other one cheers for IU? I mean... Can we work through this? Can we do this kind of stuff? Obviously, you don't have to do it at all, but you were given a piece of paper when you walked in, and I would encourage you, I would invite you to fill that out. And we're going to be starting to put these things together over the next several weeks. You'll see the questions on there. If you have other questions that you're just wondering about this, hey, fill it out, and we're going to get in contact with you. We're not going to contact trace you to make sure that you showed up to your group or anything like that. But we know that we need others in our lives, and we need it to be more than just on Sunday morning where we see each other for a little bit, and then we all go our separate ways. And it needs to be more than just you hear me stand up here and and talk to you, but it needs to be you having a conversation with one another. So we're going to do something a little bit different to end this morning. As you're filling those out, uh, or maybe you need a little bit of time to think about those, that's fine too. We're going to end things a little bit different this morning. The band's going to come up here, and they're going to play a song. But what I'm going to invite you all to do is, as you're filling out your papers, there's also a list of questions that's going to show up here on the screen. And I'm going to invite you, for as long as it takes you to get through them, to just go through these questions. Maybe it's you do them by yourself. Maybe you do them with the person sitting right next to you. But what I would love to see happen, and this is the youth pastor coming out in me pretty strong, what I would love to see happen is for you to actually just grab a few other people in the room and go through these questions with them. Maybe you don't answer it quite as openly because you're just not sure, and I understand that. Maybe you don't, open it, you don't answer it quite as openly with the group of people as you would on your own. You can, you can answer fully on your own, that's fine. But just to spend a little bit of that time with others, talking about things that really, really matter. And I'm not saying these are going to be the only four questions in life that really matter. You can take as long as you want. Or you can just stand up and you can leave. And I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, okay, so that person is going to be last in line to get into heaven someday. Like, they're going to have to wait. I'm not sitting up here judging what what response you give here. 
remember, I, I've t- you're probably sick of me hearing it, but I was in the youth ministry for 12 years. I was used to people not listening to what I said. It's fine. If you're one of those super outgoing people, Doug Reynolds, Rick Snyder, if you're one of those types of people, I'd encourage you, look around the room and see if there's somebody that you can grab and pull in. Now I really put you two on the spot, my bad. <laughs> but if you see somebody, you know, because there are others who are like, hey, I would love to talk to somebody and I'd love to be in a group, but there's no way that I'm walking across the room and I'm putting myself in a group. Maybe your invitation is exactly what they're looking for. And that's something that you have to offer to them this morning. So we're gonna end this youth ministry style this morning and we're gonna have just a time of discussion. As long as you want, this place is open. As short as you want, this place is open. God, thank you so much for giving us other people in our lives. And I know that there are plenty of those moments where we sit here and we think, God, why did you put other people in my life? Why couldn't you have just let me just live this life in isolation. But God, I pray that, that you, would, you would punch through that today and you would show us just how valuable it is to have you and to have others and to actually give of ourselves to others. God, I pray whichever one of those three that, that each individual in here is struggling with more this morning, because I think that most of us are probably struggling with one more than the others, I pray that you would just show the truth of what, what value there is in fighting against the drift. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen.